Hey everybody, welcome to the Nelson Podcast. I'm here as always with Andy Foster. What is going on, Andy? Hey, hey. How you doing? I love it. I'm <laughs> doing good. All right, listeners, so today we're going to talk about, um, it just kind of goes off of our last one about uh, organization, and I just kind of wanted to touch base. It's been brought up a couple of times this week, uh, now that uh, we're all kind of back in the water, which is freaking awesome. Andy, I know your husband's out there now, right? Yes, he is. Sweet. Good. I guess that's good and bad. Good if you don't want to see him, and bad if you do want to see him. <laughs> we still like each other. Uh, the, <laughs> so uh, you know just growing your business how to do it what worked best i'm just going to give you kind of a snapshot of what happened to myself and uh andy kind of came in towards the well the last few years anyway and just kind of everybody runs their business different i get that i just kind of want to give you a snapshot of how it went for me and you can take it or leave it and that's there's maybe some things you can use and some you some things you can't so Andy, just to help remind me here, I think I want to talk about two things. One is how I, I grew, grew document service DLS and then how I shrunk it and how it benefited. And um, I, I want to touch a little bit today on the difference. Um, how, do I, how do I word this? A difference how when we get a barge in for service, what it looks like from an owner-operator and from an owner that hires an operator. Ooh, yes, good topic. Yeah, that's there's a huge difference there. Okay, um, so Andy, what I want to kind of start with is, so back in the day, you know, we all kind of started with the whole, you know, let's grab a foam float and a leaky pair of waders and go go in our pickup and go to town, right? And then it went into, for me at least, I teamed up and partnered actually with my brother-in-law, which uh, he owned a marine dealership. Okay. And this is kind of, it's key, right? I mean, it might not be your brother-in-law here, but it was key for my business to get, my brother-in-law did not want anything to do with the install or the removal of the docks. In fact, I think, maybe it's changed today, but back in the day, I don't think it would have hurt his feelings half the time to not even sell docks and lifts because they're a little bit of a pain. But um, I think it's probably changed today because he's, well, more, you know, way more organized. What, is it, what I did is I teamed up with him, and then what happened is every time they would sell a dock job, if it's a, uh, if it was a new customer, then that job would come to myself if I serviced that body of water. Uh, sometimes, of course, I got roped into you know the hour away job, which I don't know why why marine dealers do this today. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I get it, but an hour away to go put a dock job in, it, it, like I, I get it, but it's a one-time thing, and then to call anyway. And then if, how he did it is if he sold a dock job and that customer was an existing customer of the marine dealership, but it was an ex- uh, you know, a different dock and lift or a different lake service provider already provided that customer service, that's the way it stayed. But it was a really good way for me to grow at a nice steady pace. I got some jobs from uh, the marina, and I would encourage you uh, to do the same thing, team up with some, you know, a marina close to you or a marine dealer close to you that that sells some products that doesn't want to do any install and be you know provide them with great customer service. I got many. I, I probably got half of my ultimately, which turned out to be 327 jobs before I started shrinking. Uh, I would say that that relationship with the marine dealership probably got me half of my ins and outs. So half of my install 
customers and half of my removal customers. Anything you want to add right now, Andy? How did you grow? Okay. So, well, it was it was kind of ironic because in 2007, 2008 mostly is when that document service kind of started. You know, that's obviously the, you know, the housing crash, all that stuff, and the dock and lift industry, it, it was still booming. Even though people were going bankrupt on, on the lake, there was other people buying and purchasing, and, and I was still able to grow my business year over year. Uh, you know, the first year going into the fall, I think I had 22 jobs or something like that. And then by the spring, I had, uh, I think, like 40 new customers, and then I did, like, 20 boat lift installs, and of those 20, I got probably... 15 of them. So I think I was probably by the second fall, I was over a hundred. Um, and then the third year I got up to just, um, 220 or so fourth year is almost 350 year is still growing, but slowly I was getting pickier at that point. And then, um, I think right about that time is when the zebra muscle thing hit and I decided to use it as my scapegoat to get out of servicing 17 lakes and cutting it down to like, I think I cut down to like 10 or 11. It's at that point or that time that my opinion kind of changed on how I was going to proceed with, with Dock and Lift. What, what was going on is when I wanted to grow, I took on pretty much any job I could get. I mean, I, I, I literally remember jobs that had muffler brackets holding, holding the, the pipes together, the dock together was with muffler, muffler brackets. And I, basically saying I quickly started weeding those customers out and started focusing more on basically less is more. When I was servicing 17 lakes, I would, you know, drive all over creation. And then if I, you know, I tried to plan it like David or doc guy that, okay, if I get another 10 jobs on Sylvan Lake, then I can be here for two days instead of one or whatever the number may be. Right. But I always tried to plan on an off lake that it would take me a day or two. I actually tried to do it where it would take me two days in the spring and one day in the fall. So I tried to plan my off lakes by the day, get enough accounts to do it, you know, day by day, instead of going there for three hours and then coming off the lake. That works fairly well, but I quickly realized when I started running the numbers and analyzing this whole thing that, hey, I dropped 100 accounts after the aquatic invasive species thing started, and my bottom line isn't really that much different. So I really started focusing on uh, my efficiencies, my what are the things that make me a better company, for instance. It's at that point, I also made a decision to get a fuel barrel at my shop. And then I realized, I, I, didn't, I don't know that I was honestly smart enough that I really like analyzed those numbers and really broke it down to that. It just so happens that my buddy called, whatever. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. It cuts so much time out. Well, it started cutting out like an hour and a half a day in the morning, an hour and a half at night, meaning man hours, right? So me and four guys or me and five guys or whatever would stop by the gas station every morning. And then on our way back, I'd kind of do the same thing as the guy would want this or whatever. Well, I'm really nice when it comes to dock and lift. And I paid, I paid through breaks. I paid through lunch. I, I just pay, right? And that's the part of being a sucky, uh, having a sucky job, right? For uh, going out and working on the conditions that we work and do those things, you got to pay straight time. So then I, I realized that, hey, I, we're getting on the lake like a half hour to 45 minutes sooner than I was when I stopped at the gas station. And all those those little things. So then 
you know, five guys at 20 minutes at the gas station or half hour at the gas station, that's some serious time that you don't get to make up. And that's probably, if you go out on the job, depending on your average job cost, right, or your job, uh, how much you bring in, uh, a half hour to 45 minutes, something like that, I'd get two or two jobs done, which are 500 bucks a piece, right? But the thousand bucks I'm losing, plus I'm paying off payroll by going to the gas station. So just all those little things that add up over time and make you more efficient, it was worth me paying and purchasing a new shop so I could put my fuel barrel there just the time it cost me for the 60 days that I stopped at the gas station before. And then I'm building on something, you know, that's an asset, a.k.a. a building. So, um I'm guessing this also made a difference with your customer service by reducing your client list. Did it not? Oh, that's a great point. So that's the aquatic invasive species thing was one. And for one crew, everybody's, you know, some people could have 200 jobs, some people 300, some people 400, depending on each job, obviously, we all know this, 327 accounts. I was not providing every customer with great customer service. And that is also another reason why I cut down to basically half the lakes at that point is because it, it was just absolutely insane. So, you know, cut down a couple hundred accounts. And then I started really focusing on customer service, which allowed me to get not, not that I really want to categorize customers from A, B, C, or D, but it, it really allowed me to focus on great customer service, which really allowed me to, gained some great jobs, some jobs that were their super anal, anal customers, or maybe some people don't didn't want that client. I thrive for that client. That client, um, th- there's two types of clients. There's the client that's going to pay for that, and they're willing to pay for that, and they want their job perfect every time, every year. And then there's the guy that is just nitpicky and you can't satisfy, and that's one that you just need to fire or let go, right? But I really focused on great customer service and what it did is that at the end of the day, um, you know, 10, 11 years into it, I decided to sell. And at the end I had just under a hundred accounts and my net was $10,000 less than when I had 327. Wow. So running, yeah, running a little bit out of control, not providing great customer service to under a hundred jobs and just weeding out the, weeding out the bad and keeping the good. Right. So I'm not saying, obviously, not everybody wants just 87 accounts. Um, Obviously, at that point, we were kind of building barges and doing all those things and getting too busy and all all that together. However, um, we ended up deciding to sell Dock and Lyft before we ended up with 22 accounts, and it was worth nothing. So that's ultimately why, why we got out of the business. But it just really goes to show that if you focus on good customer service, you can get those A clients that are willing to pay $5 a bumper to put it on there, but they also expect that, you know, hey, this is this is the way we want it, this is the way they expect it, and I always tried to exceed their expectations. If they exceeded, if they wanted this, I would make sure and give them one step above, and I, I my collection rate the last year was, I mean, I had zero, I, I, did, I didn't have any outstanding money hardly the last year. I know, Andy, by then you, you were collecting some stuff, but by the last time we did in the spring, I don't know that we, I, I think maybe we wrote off somebody from the year prior, but it, it's, yeah, it's maybe. really nice. Yeah. It's so, really nice. Just that everybody pays. So you essentially cut, cut 
your client list in two ways. First, by location to reduce it. And then when you decided to reduce it again, you you hand kind of hand selected clients that are that are good. The the people that are appreciative of what you do, they're good payers and maybe cut some of those that were a little bit um, of a headache client, right? That's right. And to be quite honest with you, at the end, uh, a headache client, I, I would have I would have liked to have had every customer I had at the end. I, I wish I had every one of them the day I started, you know, but, you know, the last 50 I probably cut, um, they were still high B clients. It just, I ended up going down to one body of water. Not even, like, I was on the chain, but I went down to the main lake on the chain, and I just serviced one lake. Yep. And um, I just tried to provide the best customer service that I possibly could. And obviously, at that point, I had quite a few big associations. Um, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, but but most of my jobs were clients that I had done for five, six, seven, eight years. And a lot of them were, you know, two or three boat lifts. They had a Mastercraft, a fishing boat, a pontoon. You know, they were all big setups. So I had all nice so nice big jobs at the end, but at the same token, you know, we'd go above and beyond. So I had each one of that client's jobs. I had every bumper marked out. I had the size of their lift. Uh, I had the length of their canopy frame, the color of their canopy. If it was C mark, vinyl. You know, was it a price fighter? Was it, was it? You know, most of them were C mark. And um, I also cleaned all those canopies for those customers too. Right? It was like an all-in-one service. Here you go, uh, and just above and beyond and that that really whatever they ate it up and it was great awesome so what's the other thing you wanted to touch on i wanted to touch on it's it's amazing i guess maybe we could keep this really short and just say hey business owner if you're thinking about hiring an operator make sure you really can trust the operator right and make sure you really understand how your operator like is he really a, a good person or is she really a good person are they really doing a good job are they doing preventative maintenance? Are they taking care of your equipment? Uh, it's, I know that some owners don't care, right? Because some operators just absolutely kill it and get a ton of work done. They don't care if something gets bent or, bent or broke. But just for our listeners, Andy, kind of what is your, what's your percentage of, you know, okay, so say, say I'm an owner operator. I go out and I take care of my baby. I spent a hundred grand on this baby, right? And versus a guy that, goes out and uses their boss's equipment, what, let, maybe let's talk about life expectancy first. From what you've seen, what do you think that the life expectancy is of the owner-operator's barge versus the uh, employee operator? The owner-operator barge is going to last longer, hands down, no question asked. I don't know if I can no, give you I'm a gonna, time frame, but it's for sure going to last longer. Generalize it. I'm gonna, I want to force you to do it. Like, generalize it. What do you think? Do you think it's gonna, is it like two years longer? Is it double the lifespan? What do you think it is? I mean, no. I don't, some, the, the, some boats out there are more than 10 years old, right? And right. It, right. I can think of one of our customers specifically. He, he maintains his boat really well. It's old, but he maintains it and it works for him. Yeah, right. But so, yep, go ahead. there's other customers that the, the owner is not the operator. And those are the boats that are a little bit more abused when they come in. We see them more frequent, frequently for service. And 
they're hard on them. But like you said, the owner of the business may or may not care. They might not care because this operator gets so much done in a short amount of time. They're happy. They're not concerned with the abuse. They'll pay for it. But there's other people that they are concerned with the abuse. They they realize their equipment is an investment and they want to get the longest amount of useful life out of it. Right. If every if every one of our customers went out there and listened to, you know, hey, 61, 20 and under, fork all the way out, as long as it's not in the mud, you're going to be fine, you're not going to bend anything, break anything. And if you do this preventative maintenance, you're going to be great. But let's be honest. There's probably only maybe three businesses that I can think of off the top of my head that actually do that. The rest um, don't. Some of them don't care. Like we said, some of them do. Uh, and then, then there's obviously the customer that just nothing is their fault, right? Yep. Um, most of the time, when it's that case, they're not they're not an owner operator. They 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 have an employee that you know they really believe in that person. And, and I'm not saying I would do the same thing, but uh, I, I'm with you 100%, Andy. I would probably say that the life expectancy of a barge, generally speaking, if you're an owner operator. Um, is twice as long as if an employee drives your boat. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it's, it just, it, it's funny how that works. So for all the, uh, owners of, uh, barges out there, they're listening. It's some of you are okay with it. I know that if you're, if you guys do that, but I'm um, just to give you a heads up of what we see. That's, I guess, a, a quick snapshot of, Hey, if you're going to let your uh, employee operate, typically speaking, this is what's going to happen. Your barge is going to last as half as long. And I would probably say, Andy, it's probably double the cost when they come in for service. No, your no. barge is going to last half as long, and it's going to cost you twice as much in service to service the boat. Makes sense. Okay, anything else for today, Andy? Pretty short and sweet today, huh? Nothing wrong with that. No. Quality jobs. Get those quality jobs. Figure out... Um, you know, if you're doing one or two jobs on an off lake, chances are you're not making much money. By the time I know that when I was docking, my crew was on overtime by Wednesday. I know some guys bank hours and do all those things. I did not. I, I paid it like I, it was, right? But my guys are on overtime by Wednesday. So I wanted a 250-horsepower motor, and I want all those things and just so I could get job to job to job. So um, I'm, I'm telling you, I've lived it. When you can get the more jobs you get on one lake, the more quality jobs you get on one lake. Um, you know, some of these bigger guys really have, you, you make a lot more money when you can do 16 houses in a row, skip four, do eight, you know, skip 16 more and then do that. It, you make a ton more money when you can go down the shoreline and, and work. So just whatever, it's, you're going to do half the work, spend half the time and make barely any less money if you focus on uh, focus on quality and keep the good customers happy. <laughs> That's right. Customers the ones that are, are good payers on, right? that are appreciative of what you do. Keep those guys happy. If you have good products, great customer service, you're going to have cash flow, right? Three things you need in business. And two of them are kind of the same thing. Customer service, you're going to get cash flow, cash flow. If you have cash flow, it's going to allow you to provide customer service. That means you have business. If you have business. That means you're going to get cash flow. It's a nice cycle. If you do that great customer service, you get the cash. Do you have any closing remarks for today? That's all I got today. All right. Well, have a good day. Sounds great. You too.